God, we are so weak. Thank you for your spirit, who is our strength. God, we desire to just continually let your spirit cleanse us and pursue you. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning and welcome again to Christ Community Church. We are glad that you are here. We are thrilled. But you have walked into a bait and switch this morning. I sent an email out Thursday that we were and asked you to read Genesis 42 and think about it, and we're not doing Genesis 42 this morning. Oh, Lauren, would you go get me one of those notebooks, please? Right quick. Um, For, I don't know, several months ago, uh, Linda Griffiths and uh, Miss Jean had the idea of doing a pictorial directory. And then Margaret and Kevin uh, got involved to help with that, and Scott Wallace got involved to help with that, and Mike Harwood got involved to help with that. And, you know, we're not professionals, but uh, over time they accomplished a a great deal. And, And much better than if someone professional had done that because they would have given you a pictorial directory that was bound and would be out of date already. Because since they've taken pictures, we've had some other folks come and join us and things have changed. And, but what we have done is they have uh, done a great job of taking pictures, getting birthdays, addresses, phone numbers, and putting those on a sheet that we have printed out and put in a binder so that if things change, we can do that for any new family that shows up. And all you've got to do is open it up and put them in and close it. And that's a good thing. That's helpful. And... It started out because people just wanted to see a, put a face with a name. So, okay, that's who that is. I've seen them here before, and I can't remember who their name is, right? But there's a, another use for this that I want to talk about this morning. There's a, another use for this that we want to get to. So we're not doing Joseph this morning. We're going to scratch that out. And instead, we're going to talk about prayer. Because this is a very handy tool for you to use to pray for the body of Christ. Because you can, uh, you can sit and you can open it up and there's an alphabetical listing of every person in here or, or will be soon as we add some more names. And you can, you can see a picture and you can pray for them. Every morning when you get up or everything before you go to bed, you can, you can pick this up and you go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for people in the body of Christ. Right? But... Sometimes, if, if you're like me, you're, you're praying for folks, and, and you may not know them very well, but you're, you're using this to try to get to know them, and you go, well, how do I pray for them? What do I pray for them? Is there, is there something that I should be praying for them? So first, the encouragement is, let that be an encouragement to get to know people and, and ask them specifically, how can I pray for you? And there's even room at the bottom of this for you to, to write things down. There's a place for notes. You can write prayer requests, right? But I want to talk this morning about some general things that you can pray for people regardless of how well you know them. And I want to start this. We're going to be in Ephesians in both chapter 1 and chapter 3. They're probably just a page apart in your Bible. That's pretty handy. We're going to look at both passages this morning. So let me read them, and while I read them, we're going to talk about a couple of things. Why we pray for each other, 
and how we pray for each other. Why we pray for each other and how we pray for each other. So Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to begin in verse 15. And I'm going to read through verse 19. And then we're going to turn over to Ephesians chapter 3. And I'm going to read verses 14 through 19. So chapter 1, beginning in verse 15. Paul writes these words. For this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you, and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of His power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of His might, which He brought about in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at, seated him at the right hand above, and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places." And then chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom, every he- from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to all the fullness of God. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we look at your word this morning, that you would teach us. Father, help us to be attentive to your word. And we ask that through your spirit, you would lead and guide and direct us into truth, that we might be uh, your body here on earth. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. So, uh, first question, why do we pray for each other? Paul says in verse 15 of chapter 1, Having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you and your love for all the saints. Because he heard they had faith and because he heard they loved each other, they were functioning as a body, he needed to pray for them. Now you would think maybe having heard that you're dysfunctional, having heard that there's arguments, having heard that you don't have a clue what's going on in the Christian life, I'm going to pray for you, but no. Having heard that you have faith, which means their faith is spreading out, which means they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, otherwise he wouldn't hear about it. And having heard that you're loving each other, I need to pray for you. In other words, we pray for each other because that's what Christians do. You don't have to wait till someone is taking a nosedive in their faith to pray for them. We pray for each other because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Because faith and love exist, we need to pray for one another. So so the first reason that we pray is because he's my brother in Christ. She's my sister in Christ. That's reason enough. I've entered into this family relationship and part of my obligation is as their brother or sister in Christ, is to pray for them. We read throughout the New Testament, that's what Paul does. He prays for people. And he asks them to pray for him. Over and over again, as we read the New Testament, we find that prayer is an integral part of Paul's ministry and as the impetus behind what he wants to do. 
And if Paul wanted people to pray for him, and if he prayed for the other saints in various places, then shouldn't we be praying for each other? Shouldn't we be lifting up one another to God? And this is a great way to do that, right? You may have a directory or a list of people or you may know everybody by name in here and you can tick them off alphabetically. But if you're like me, sometimes it's like, oh yeah, if you're trying to go through a list in your mind, oh, I forgot about that person. I won't tell you who I forget about. Just nice to be able to see a face and pray for them. The second reason that we are to pray for one another comes from chapter 3. Before the passage that I read, Paul begins in verse 9. He's been given grace to preach. And he said, the reason that is, is to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery, which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things. So the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. The body of Christ upholds God's reputation. Right? We are the body of Christ. We are His hands and His feet now that He has ascended back to the Father. And so you and I have the great privilege, the great responsibility of being the body of Christ to this world. And that should at the same time be a joyful, great privilege and kind of a fear-inducing responsibility. I'm representing God to the world. Oh, I need you to pray for me. (laughs) That is a huge responsibility that we take when we gather together and when we walk out into the world. That we are the body of Christ. And that should move us to pray for one another. I hope that you're praying for me. I need that so that I accurately represent God to the world. We all need that so that we accurately represent God to the world. We need to pray for one another because we are the body of Christ. So that's why... Scriptures are full of other reasons, but I think those two are sufficient to get us to think, I do need to be praying for the people in this room. So that's why. So the next question is how? How do we pray for one another? Back to chapter 1. The first big category is we need a better understanding of God. The way we live, first of all, depends upon how we understand God. God, do we understand Him accurately? Do we understand Him correctly? Do we have a good glimpse of who God is? Because a wrong view of God will ultimately lead to a wrong view of ourselves, a wrong view of the world, a wrong view of how we relate to the world. But an accurate view of God helps us to accurately relate to each other and to the world. And so, first of all, we need to pray for one another for a better understanding of God. He begins in verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. 
Paul says something similar in Colossians 1. He's praying that they would know God spiritually. Not just know facts about Him, but understand who He is in a spiritual way. That we understand His character, His characteristics, His purpose, what He's about. And that's a very specific prayer that you can pray for every single person in this room. God, help them to know You better. God, through Your Spirit, help them to know You better. Encourage them to spend time in Your Word. You don't have to say Paul's exact wording. The idea is what Paul is after. Will you be willing to pray for me and for those sitting around you that we would know God better? That we would have a spiritual understanding of what He's like, what He's about, what His character is. That that would impact us, that would change us. Specifically then, Paul gives two very specific things. In verse 18... I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of His calling. Will we pray for one another that we would know our calling? Part of that, even though we think of hope as something in the future, what this verse really does is it looks to the past. Because when we understand our calling, that the God of the universe, despite our sin, came down and died for us and then called us out specifically... When we understand that, that we have a calling, and we look back to that and we go, okay, so this God called me, but okay, so what? But when we understand that when God calls people, whether they remain faithful or not, He remains faithful, as we have seen over and over in the Scriptures. What that does is helps us understand, we understand our calling, it, it really should lead us back to the foundation of the fact that God is faithful. We have a faithful God who called us. Will we pray for one another that we would grasp that? That we would grasp that we have been called by a faithful God. Would you pray for each other that that would happen? That we would truly understand what that calling means. If a faithful God called me into His presence, there's all sorts of ramifications when you think about that, but the foundation of the fact that God is faithful and He's the creator of all that we see and He called me personally. Does that not motivate us to want to respond to that call? It looks back at our redemption. It looks back at the fact that God brought us from death to life. And then in chapter 3, in verse 18 and 19, that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Not only do we understand that He called us, but that He loves us. He loves us. This Creator of all that we see, this One who sent His Son for us 
as a demonstration of that love. Would you pray that we would grasp that? Because it's not just, oh yeah, God loves me, right? Paul says what is the breadth and length and height and depth, that this love surpasses knowledge, right? We can't wrap our minds around the fact that the creator of the universe in the form of the second person of the Trinity came down and died for a sinful, despicable creature. See, we don't, we don't get that by just saying, oh yeah, God loves us. Paul is, is praying that they would understand that in a deeper and more life-changing way. And we all need to get that better. John writes that we love because He first loved us. I think in the, in the context of what he's talking about, we love because we understand that He first loved us. We grasp that. It's not just that someone says, God loves you. Oh, okay, I'm going to go love somebody. Right? We're overwhelmed by the depth of His love for us and that changes us. And we need to pray for one another that we would get that. On a regular basis, that we would be reminded of that. So, we need to pray for each other that we'd understand God better, but also that we would understand ourselves better. That we would understand us better. Because the world is sending a message of what you are like. The world is trying to speak to you about who you are and what your purpose is or lack of purpose, what you should be doing and how you should spend your life and how you should spend your time and how you should spend your money and how you should relate to one another. And we need to understand us from God's perspective. Back to chapter 1. See, we'll get in practice flipping back and forth. First, we are valued. We need to understand that we are valued. In God's eyes, we have value. There's, he talked about at the beginning of chapter 1 that that because of what God has done, you and I have an inheritance in heaven. In the Old Testament, the inheritance was the land. That was the place where the people gathered as God's people. It's the place where God was present, and it's the place where they worshipped Him. That was the inheritance. It was the land where God was and where He was worshipped. Well, in the New Testament... We also have an inheritance, and it's the same thing. It's the place where God is and where He's worshipped, and, and one day we will be with Him, as Revelation talks about, the new Jerusalem, together with every tribe and nation and tongue, to be in His presence and to worship Him. And to sing, as Chad talked about, the language of praise and worship to God. But here, Paul does something rather remarkable. He says he wants them to know at the end of 18 what are the riches of the glory of not our inheritance, but his, God's inheritance. What's that? He tells us in the saints. The gathered body of believers is God's inheritance. And it's rich 
and he values that. And he's going to gather it together one day and God's going to rejoice over his redeemed creation. We are, as the people of Christ, God's inheritance. We will, he will one day get us back fully transformed, redeemed. You are valued because of what He has done for us through His Son. In chapter 3, in verse 17, the end of verse 17, we get another expression of how we are valued. If our inheritance for God is, is kind of what's visible, the top part of a tree maybe, that we're going to be gathered together and, and, and as a, a tree testifies to God's greatness and His, His creative ability. Paul says in verse 17, the second half, he prays that, that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love. He wants us to understand what our, what our foundation is, how we got where we are. He wants us to understand that that our beginnings as a body of believers was rooted and grounded in love. Not in a purpose to be special or that the world would see us and pat us on the back. Our beginning was not in a purpose. Our beginning was in the Father's love for us. The beginnings of the church, the beginnings of the body of believers was rooted and grounded in love. Which speaks to our value in God's eyes. The whole process from beginning to end is that God loved us enough to send His Son on our behalf that we might be like Him. We are valued. And so we need to pray for each other that we would recognize that. That we would not wallow in self-pity. That we would not think, oh, I, God can't use me. He values you enough to send His Son. He values you enough to fill you with His Spirit. He can and wants to use you. But lest we think that, oh, I'm somebody special because God values me. We also need to pray for one another because we are needy. We are needy. And so Paul prays for those things as well. Back to chapter 1. Verse 19, he prays that they would know what is the surpassing greatness of His power toward us who believe. As we sang, I may be weak, but your spirit is strong in me. And if you keep reading in chapter 1, what we find out is that power is resurrection power. It's the power that raised Christ from the dead. That same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to you and I. To live the life that God calls us to live. But part of the problem is, is that we don't either believe that or we don't remember that. Or we don't avail ourselves of that. And we need to pray for one another that we would know that that's true. Resurrection power is available to each and every one of us 
to do the things that God has called us to do. To die to self. To put on the new man. To live a life that's holy and blameless. In chapter 3, Paul prays the same thing, basically, in verse 16, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man. Most of us don't need our outer man strengthened. Most of, most of us don't need our flesh to be more powerful, to be more strengthened. We, we do a good job of trying to take over day in and day out and make our own decisions and do the things that we think we're supposed to do in our own strength in our own efforts, in our own wisdom, in our own skill. And Paul prays that our inner man would be strengthened. In other words, that we would depend upon God's Spirit to do the things that He's called us to do. That we would live in Him. And then in verse 19, he finishes, To know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to the fullness of God. See, it's, it's not just enough that, that I hang out at church. It's not just enough that, that I maybe pick my Bible up and read it occasionally. I need the fullness of God. Paul prays for the Ephesians that they would, they would have the fullness of God. Why? Because they're a, a light to the world. And we don't want a light that flickers and is dim. Sometimes is on, sometimes is off. Paul wants them to be filled with the fullness of God. I need that. You need that. And we need to pray for one another that we would avail ourselves of that. As a body of Christ. And so... When you get these, and, and afterwards there's a bunch back there. They have sticky tabs that are falling off because they don't stick well to this plastic. But I think there's one for every family in here. So if you're a family, take one. And then if, if you know, husband and wife spend time praying at the same time but don't want to share, then just make some black and white copies and make your own. Right? Your kids. Say, Dad, would you make me copies of those so I can pray for the other kids that are my age in the church? And you can flip through and find the pictures of all the kids that are your age and you can pray for them as well. There's some people that are missing, some people that have kind of joined us since we've kind of put that together. We'll add those as soon as we can get pictures and information. So you can pray. But one more thing that I want this to do for us. As you're praying these general but important prayers, my hope is, is that it would spur you on to go, I wish I knew more about that person or that family. And that it would spur you on to seek to get to know them better. Whether that's just interacting with them on Sunday morning, or maybe even, I need to invite them over for a meal. I need to get to know them better. Let this be an encouragement to you to, for us to begin to function as a healthy body.
where we know each other, we care for each other, we pray for each other. I know that I need it. And I know that you need it. And the reason that I know you need to be prayed for is because throughout Scripture, people that I would consider very godly needed to be prayed for. No one in here is above that. Everyone in here is needy. Everyone in here needs to be reminded of God's care for us, His love for us, and His desire to use us. And so when we're done, each family grab one of those, take it home, and don't just put it on the shelf. Use it. Use it to pray for one another that we might be the body of Christ that God has called us to be in this county. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy for us. Thank you for the reminder um, that we are valued, but that we are needy. God, I ask that you would um, encourage us, challenge us through your spirit to care for one another the way that you would have us care for one another. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.